And welcome to Better Together, Democrats and Republicans Who Love America, Episode 5. We're going to cover the Rittenhouse verdict and critical race theory. You know, some lighthearted topics tonight. Um, There's some themes that I believe are crossed over. Um, And I just wanted to share some thoughts I have about patterns that I'm starting to see that I don't know that they're fully getting reported on. And what I believe and think and feel about all of this. So let's start out with uh, the Rittenhouse verdict. It's my belief that Kyle Rittenhouse deserves to be um, sentenced with life in prison, no chance of parole. And that's my opinion, not even delving too deeply into the case and not even delving too deeply into the facts. I've read news articles about it. I've re- I haven't read in depth. I've read enough, enough to form a strong opinion that I believe Kyle Rittenhouse should be sentenced for prison for life with no parole for what occurred. 17 or not. Motives to defend against uh, perceived property destruction and looting or not. Fear for his safety or not. So that's my final opinion about what I think should have happened to Kyle. Um, now, let's, because it didn't happen, and because it's so blatantly wrong, this decision from an all-white jury in Wisconsin, a lot of stuff happening in Wisconsin lately, but not only there. Um, I am led to believe that there's more to the story in the sense of not the case, but in the intention of the jury's decision to send a message to uh, the far left and to protesters and members of Black Lives Matter. As I understand it, Black Lives Matter was having a rally. There wasn't violence. Kyle took it upon himself to uh, arm up, gear up, with a semi-automatic assault rifle. Vigilante style. And start to parole the area. And I don't know all the details of the case. And felt justified in doing so because of this concern he had for his community and potential looting and property destruction associated with said protest. Property destruction specifically. Okay. That was the uh, supposed motive for him showing up and why he didn't have anything better to do that day but to show up was that motive. Yeah, so the jury decided to basically 
release him of all responsibility and walk away scot-free. Why would they do that? And what message would they be sending to America by doing that? And who benefited and which political party benefited from that decision? What are the greater implications of that decision? And what does this mean for the future? And how should white people react? And how should black people react? And do we react the same? In the same exact way as George Floyd's killing? Or is there something different? Let's discuss. So, for me, I got the very clear vibe that this was meant as a big message and a bat signal from the far right to say, we are going to look the other way. We are going to be permissive. We are going to make sure that white vigilantes who want to take the law into their own hands to supposedly defend property um, against perceived looters or potential looters will be absolved of all wrongdoing, even if they themselves perpetuate violence. That's the message that I felt the jury sent to America on Friday. Yes, it's systemic racism. Okay. That's nothing new. But what is new and what is going to be, I believe, going to the Supreme Court is to decide whether it's going to be appropriate for random anti-protesters to be able to walk around with their assault rifles watching the scene like with the Wild Wild West. Um in the motivation for defending property. And if so, is this going to be repeated in future Black Lives Matter rallies or any type of rallies that have to do with advocation for people of color? Are white vigilantes from the far right going to be sanctioned and encouraged to gear up and stand there and parole, even if they're not trained, even if they're youths, even if they are... Um, even if they have no reason to be there. If this was a direct message to America from the far right to say, okay, we're, you're going to defund the police, the far right? We're going to gear up and defend ourselves. You're going to let uh, the borders just be barraged with millions of illegals. We're going to take Texas by storm and possibly they're talking about seceding from the nation. I don't think that's, I don't think any state's going to be doing that, but okay. You know, um, and their Texas border patrol and everything else. Um, this feeling of needing to protect America by people that are not trained in that. We're not talking about police officers or peace officers or military. We're talking about random vigilante types with their assault rifles of any age, apparently, even underage, being empowered by the system 
to be able to walk around like a wild, 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 like Billy the Kid um, and decide for themselves how they want to enact protection and property what or, or what you know, whatnot. Um, and the message being, oh, well, all they have to say is that. And then if anything goes down, we'll be sure to make sure that they're, you know, they walk away scot-free. That, to me, was what I understood as a white person reading this case. Um, loosely following it, not closely following it. And thinking, how on earth could this type of a decision be reached by a jury with any conscience? And then I realized, I don't think it's about this case at all, or about this these facts, or about anything to do with, with the actual case. I think this has been now politicized and being used as a weapon to... Um, have the far right make a grab for power and inform the far left that if you do this, you keep on with this, whether it's organizing, whether it's looting, whether whatever it is, we're going to take the law into our own hands. We're going to gear up and we're going to back each other up. That's the really message I got. And I, I wasn't just me. There were other Democrats that felt that, felt that with this case, it, they just enabled a ton more people that would be borderline insurrectionist types to take their law into their own hands. And that is kind of the climate right now on the right, where they feel that the borders aren't secure. They are concerned about the looting. We're going to go into that too. But now it's just another reason to be able to commit violence to people of color and get away with it and not have any consequences. That's how that's how I perceived it. You know. And my response is one of deep sadness and 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 deep um you know, it's not the same response as it would be for the George Floyd incident. It's a different type of equally painful pain. Um, but it's not, it's not expressed in the exact same way. Um, and I feel, I see that on others' faces and I feel that on others' hearts out there because I'm empathetic and it's a different kind of vibe, isn't it? This particular one. Um, certainly I don't think justice was served in that case at all. But I, I'm more concerned about the intentions of the jury to not even really be concerned with that, but just to use it as a weaponization, political weaponization. And effectively, unfortunately. So, where do we go from here? And how do we express ourselves? So, I, someone I really admire, um, who's white, who's a Democrat. Um, on my Insta, I saw the post and it was the same old, if you're white and you're, you know, the same comparison between Kyle, anyway, it, it didn't need to be spelled out because it's obviously unjust. Okay. It's an obviously unjust decision that was made in the court. Okay. By the jury. Okay. The, the the follower with the post, or what is it, the intention of the post was basically, if you're reading this and you're white, and you're not outraged, then you're part of the problem. 
And I read that and I was just like, you know, what is the, what are the expectations? Is it always to be a verbal outrage? Is it always to be a public show of detest? Is it, are we just on, on automatic pilot where we just hit the, the outrage button over and over and over and over? You just, oh, this happened. Knee-jerk reaction, outrage, 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 like a robot. And then if you're not responding in some pre-scripted way, somehow you're not measuring up to the level of justice that apparently the white dems and secret caves meet and I don't get invited to the meetings. (laughs) I mean, I don't believe there's a categorically scripted response to this type of thing. I think it's very individual. And I don't think one response is better than the other. And I think outrage takes many forms. Sometimes it's verbal aggression and other times it's internal torment and apathy and what I would call learned learned helplessness. You know, a human being actually cannot sustain levels of outrage to the frequency that would be required by this person and who just forwarded a post. I don't believe it was her own original idea. You know, it was one of those, you know, hey, this and like I'm jumping on Twitter or something, jumping on a bandwagon of what seems to be the appropriate response by who? Who decides that? Okay, so I I, I read that and I'm like, I don't feel outraged. I feel learned helplessness and I feel apathetic. I feel sick to my stomach and I also feel like... I can't keep doing, I can't keep reacting the same way over and over again if it's not gleaning results. Um, and I don't think that makes me a bad person. I think learned helplessness is a real thing. Certainly psychologists say it is. If you keep expecting a result and it keeps not being delivered, you get conditioned to feel learned helplessness. So is it to... Is, was that post to just kind of mock up outrage and verbal aggression? I don't know what you, what was that even going to look like? A march? You know? I don't know. How is that to be expressed? How are white people to feel about this? How are white people to react to this? I don't think we know, frankly. I just watched Michael Che's wonderful political comedy sketch on Netflix called Shame the Devil. I highly recommend everybody see it. Um, Because he tells boatloads of truth in that. (laughs) Really, he talks about white people going to a Black Lives Matter rally that were only white people. And he's like, that's got to be the most freakish thing I've ever experienced. And he went there and he used it in his comedy sketch. But he's like, why are you all here? Are you all telling this to each other? Why are you here? And um, anyway, yeah, I mean, white reaction isn't going to necessarily mimic or mirror black reaction. Sometimes it can, sometimes it doesn't. I don't think there's a one way to react. And I think because of this frequency and because also it's Wisconsin yet again, you know, maybe that also reinforces the learned helplessness because it's the same state, you know. Wisconsin's had a few big headlines in the last few years. Um, that it, it further reinforces the learned helplessness. The learned helplessness. 
I wouldn't say apathy because there's sadness. Apathy would be like a lack of feeling. This is sadness. Um, but there's confusion on what the reaction should be. Michael Che in his special talks about how he actually did not partake in looting with the George Floyd um, uh, murder and how he makes commentaries on looting and, you know, how he sure missed out on that looting because that looting was intense and, you know, looting and glorifying looting, essentially. Looting has long been part of black culture's response to systemic racism. We know about systemic racism and we know about the response to systemic racism, which often accompanies it with uh, property destruction, thievery, violence, and uh, stealing. Which really doesn't bring any more justice to said issue at hand. It's more of an emotional outburst, an emotional expression of frustration. But there's not enough people in the black community that are actually condemning that and calling it out. Now, Michael kind of passively did it in his comedy show because he says he didn't, he didn't partake of it. And that he was making fun of it in his show. He was, because it's a comedy sketch, he's allowed to. And how, oh, he really, really missed out on all that great looting that's happening. All that looting, all that opportunity to looting. You know, as if looting brings justice. As if looting brings back George Floyd. As if looting does anything. Looting just destroys communities. Looting just destroys small businesses. I mean, LA-92, right? O.J. Simpson verdict, Watts riots. The re- the reaction to systemic racism typically in the black community, not always, but often can accompany with it violence, burn the city down, and stealing, which does not bode well, okay, for any group, including the black community. There's not enough calling out of it. Black Lives Matter doesn't put nearly any energy into calling that out. Individual black people don't. It's 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 almost as if it's uh, appropriate reaction. It's absolutely not. The Asian community has been very very much outspoken about against it because often they are the victims of said looting, especially back in the nineties in L.A. LA-92 is a really good documentary. You should check it out, by the way, Um, for more extensive coverage on this topic of looting as a response to systemic racism, okay? Which is, um, you know, interesting. Native Americans don't happen to loot. Native Americans have been treated wholly unjustly by the white community forever, and if you know anything about the U.S. Bureau of Indian Affairs, it's ghastly, and incredibly racist and incredibly systemic racism is I mean the order of the day and yet Native Americans don't loot Native Americans don't uh, burn down cities Native Americans don't destroy property Um, Native Americans don't defund the police right and subsequently at this time of great injustice with the black community And I mean, not that it hasn't been there the whole time, but heightened 
especially in the pandemic, um, there is a massive amount of justice sweeping through from the white community to the Native American community um, in so many ways that every day there's new headlines about how much more justice the Native Americans are receiving finally, not only from our country, but from Canada. And this is the most justice I've ever seen Native Americans finally attain and it's forward momentum and let's keep it going because it's so long overdue. It's ridiculous. You know, and what a change from Trump wanting to build the pipeline through Standing Rock through Joe Biden, who's stopping drilling in Alaska and working with the Native peoples and giving them due respect. And the Secretary of the Interior saying, you know, let's just remove any derogatory names. Like, that's obvious and of course should be, but also it's mind-blowing. And it's absolutely incredibly progressive that, that that conversation now is a comfortable conversation to have about removing derogatory names. Particularly those in, in, in any way representing Native Americans. Yeah. I mean, Disney has had to go through it with Peter Pan, the cartoon version. It's deplorable for Native Americans. For that beloved cartoon that was a symbol of systemic racism. So I think we also have to look at not just the issues of systemic racism within the different populations of which it affects, but what are their responses to said systemic racism? How do different groups respond? Looting violence, Antifa, defund the police, or being patient and working with you know, and waiting and advocating and not looting and not doing all these destructive behaviors. And which group is getting justice swifter? Yeah. Do transgender community go out and loot when they're not getting their rights met? Not to my knowledge. I don't know if transgenders looting and defunding the police and destroying property. And their rights are getting, you know, what, what would be the word? Um, not uploaded. Their rights are getting fast-tracked. I mean, considering how long it usually takes. You know, and this is bothering Dave Chappelle a lot because he sees it and he says, well, it's because white men are a part of it. It's white privilege here again. And so how come they get swifter justice than us but I just wonder what about the conversation about the looting and the response to systemic racism and the defund the police and do other groups do that so is there a correlation between getting swifter justice for the peaceful groups that aren't doing that and the and and less justice or not as fast justice for the ones that are does it have a correlation if so, was that the message that that court in Wisconsin sent America and say, you know what, we're sick and tired of all this chaos and we're sick and tired of defund the police and how it ruins liberal West cities, which it has, which by the way, subsequently, San Francisco, Portland and Seattle have all fully funded their police. 
And Joe Biden has gone on record to say, we will fully fund the police. We are not part of defund the police. By the way, that was far left that started that. Not centrists, not us, not the main Dems. Some main Dems were roped into it because they were so feared of looking racist that they just blindly went with anything, the far left said. Bad, bad decision making there. And defund the police blew up and became a huge failure. And all it did was increase skyrocketing crimes in the cities that actually defunded their police. To learn from the failures. Don't be so quick to rush to the far left's whims without careful consideration of what they are actually proposing and make them take the time to spell it out and make them understand nothing is going to be rushed. That's imperative. And by the way, the squad was all for defund the police. Horrible policy. The nuance was lost. It was not a nuance. It was a setup to undermine the police so that more people could steal. Typically, more people of color could steal. And that was the objective. It was not any more than that. And it, you know, made headlines this summer, 2021. And the response was to fully refund and fund the police yet again and go, we're never doing that again. You know, so sometimes my leftist Democrats out there have, you know, a weird sense of, 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 of justice that if not well thought through and not well executed and not taken the time to really chew it through and, and, and sell it properly just ends up bombing. Okay. So there are themes to that with critical race theory as well. We'll go into that a little bit, but I want to finish up on the, on the written house verdict. So were the Wisconsin jury, was it right for them to usurp this case and use it as a political weapon against the far left to say, this is now a precedent. We're going to be fine having vigilantes of the far right to pick and choose whatever they want to parole in the name of safety on their own. Um, and if anything goes down, we're just going to make sure that they get off scot-free. Because that's the message, which is very sobering, right? But again, Kyle's claim was I was there to protect property damage. Okay, well, that infers looting. Okay. So the question is this, um, is looting necessary to advance social justice for black Americans? Is it absolutely required? I would say Black Lives Matter and progressive blacks out there that want to advance and advocate for your group need to come down very, very difficult, very, very hard, very, very intolerant of looting, verbally and behaviorally. There needs to be condemnation about looting from the black community for once. It's not an acceptable response to systemic racism. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how angry you are. It is not helpful. It doesn't do anything productive. And it further reinforces the negative stereotype that some have that black people are out of control and acting like animals, burning everything down and stealing 
And that's not helpful. There's just no win in this. That little bit of grab of cash, that little bit of grab of CVS, a little bit of grab of Walgreens, the grab of Louis Vuitton is not worth it in the big picture of how it represents the group. And Native Americans are not doing this. And other groups are not doing this. You know? They're going through the process to get their justice. And they're getting their justice. Transgender as well. Native Americans as well. About time. Taking them forever, right? To get their justice. Slowly happening. It's an upward move here. By by the quote-unquote same group of white people. So I, I would rally the black community to go, we need to come down hard on looters and zero tolerance for the looters. Looting is not going to be an appropriate response anymore for systemic racism. That will help. It will help. It will help you. Okay. In your group, which I would like to see. Um, What should white people do at this point regarding the Kyle Rittenhouse? I think instead of presuming that there's one right answer and how to respond, that everybody needs to like click on to just cover their ass and make sure they know that everybody knows that they're not racist, which is really seen through, by the way, white Dems out there, particularly guilty of this. Slow the, the, you know what, down. Slow it down. And maybe instead, ask people of color, like I did on Friday, how are you doing? And are you hanging in there? Some people you didn't even have to ask, how are you doing? Because you could see how they were doing. So you just say, hanging in there? Like, hang in there, kitty? You're persevering is what that means. Um, It lends support. It shows care and empathy, and it isn't um, about yourself and showing how you are so not like those other white people in Wisconsin or the South or wherever you want to be about you, 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 you. That was the problem with Black Lives Matter with the white dem response. They were too preoccupied with being about themselves and showing up and being about themselves and everything about deflection, deflection, deflection. Black people saw that. That's why Michael Chase says, what are you doing here in this Black Lives Matter rally? Are you telling each other? No, I mean, ultimately, the white people that went to Black Lives Matter, half of them really, really care. And half of them want to deflect attention in a way that anyone could ever suspect that they would ever be racist, which isn't helpful. I didn't go to any of the rallies. And people really pressured me to go. You're going to go, right? You're going to (laughs) go. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. Because I was like Michael Che in that. I'm like, why would I go to a Black Lives Matter rally? (laughs) That's kind of ridiculous. I understand Michael's view on that. And I had a family member whose daughter went and with good intentions and she's Gen Z and wanted to feel part of it and was not welcomed because she was white and she felt frustrated because she cared and she wanted and she didn't understand that it wasn't about her caring and it wasn't about her 
uh, empathy in showing up and being supportive and marching along. And so she heard from people of color who said, you know, this isn't your fight. This isn't for you. What are you doing here? And she's like, I just want to lend support. And they said, if you want to support, support black businesses, you know, vote in black candidates, read black authors, get to know like, and that's, that was the right response. But it took the white Dem community a hot minute to take a break from being all about themselves and their cover up. And I'm not saying that they're all phonies. I'm just saying the rush to cover any potential suspicion that they may be associated to any of the racist people out there because we all have white skin here um, was overshadowing, if I may say, overshadowing the support, the need to just say, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm like, which I understand white people that urgency to distinguish because how can you tell by looking at us we're all white how can you tell who's who are the racist and who who aren't you know people don't always wear hoods anymore people don't always have the swastikas sometimes the swastikas come in people of color nowadays um it's hard to know and so people want to race to go that's not i'm not that so see i'm here I'm present and accounted for the Black Lives Matter rally, and I am not any at all to be with associated with those other horrible white people. Okay, but that's still making it all about you. And it's really secondary about the point of why you're really there to help, supposedly. So I like that the black response finally, after a while, started to say to the white community at the, I'm talking 2020, early Uh, rallies, early marches, you know, there are better ways for you all to help and it isn't being in this marches. It's um, supporting us with your dollars, with your income, with your privilege, with your votes, with other ways. And by the way, get to learn our literature and get to know. And I thought that took a lot of courage and I was very happy to hear that from the black community um and it made a lot of white people feel like they were stabbed in the heart because they were trying to show up to be there and they were told that this is what they should do also by what other well-meaning white dems clueless as you know what (laughs) okay who weren't listening to what black people wanted ask them they'll tell you ask them there wasn't an ask them they had to be uh, you know, stomping it all in the wrong way. Well-meaning, but wrong. And then the black people, uh, not really the way that we need you to support us. You know, But, you know, that could have all been avoided by white people simply asking, how can we support you? And shutting up and not being about yourself for five minutes and listening to what they had to say. Okay. So no, I didn't go to any Black Lives Matter rallies. And I had suspicion that Black Lives Matter, whatever it would have started, and it was a resurgence. It wasn't originally started because of George Floyd, but resurged. I had a bad feeling that it was going to be usurped and taken into something entirely different. And it sure did defund the police. It went from advocacy group to destructive group in a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, how is defunding the police in any way going to further 
any type of black justice? Why are all these mindless white Dems just absolutely signing up right away without even discussing, without even questioning, without even saying, why would you want to do that with this group? There wasn't any of that. It was just click, obey, okay, yeah, I'm on your team. I support you. What else do you want? What else do you want? What else? Like a robot and no real thinking. And then so I didn't do that. I was like, this is going to blow up. This is an excuse for people to loot and steal and just have less cops on the street to keep them accountable. And that's exactly what happened. Ah. <laughs> you know. And it was another symbol of the white Dems just so uncomfortable you know to deflect any potential look of any disagreement you know what stop just talk to them and ask them how can we support you and shut up and listen to them or don't do that if you don't really care and just ask your black person you know are you hanging in there They'll know, they'll feel the vibe, they'll know the intention by the feeling of the vibe. You can ask, how I, how can I support you if you want to? But really stop making it about you and your deflection, about how you're so not racist. And you know what? If a black person wants to think you're a racist, they will. And there isn't enough deflections in the world that'll stop that mindset if somebody has a predetermined mindset. I've been through that with the staff before who had poisoned mind against me. I was totally convinced I was a racist. I was like, why? Because you saw some crazy distorted picture from like before the internet that was manipulated. That wasn't even something that I was for, that I was caught up in this professor's sick joke that all of us were, that I actually cleared names of all of us. And instead of talk to me, you just want to go ahead and then just... Make keep believing all the assumptions that it's having conversation with me. No, I'm not a racist. I dated a black man for two years. I had no problems with the race. I've dated other people of color. I've also dated white people. And uh, I voted for Obama twice. I support... I wanted Michelle Obama to consider running, but apparently Barack is not for it. You know, I believe America is really the only country that black people have to reach the highest office of power in the free world. I don't think the other allied countries are going to really ever give them a shot, quite honestly, no matter how much we progress. It's just a feeling I have that there is just no, that that ceiling is, is steel in those allied countries that, you know, will fight with us and, and suit up with us and go to war with us, but... I believe America is the only place that in the industrialized, more, more powerful nations that actually will give the black person a real chance at the highest level of power for the very fact that white power, white people made it possible for Obama to have two terms. That's the reality. It wasn't because the black vote went out there. It was because white Dems and white moderates and white independents and white curious voted him in twice and also some black people too and some hispanic people too and some you know asian people too but mostly white people made it possible for obama to be a two-termer so 
you know, you're not going to change somebody's preset mind about what they think about you if their mind is made up and they don't have any interest to the discussion with you about said considerations. Okay, do you need to worry about what they think? That's a closed-minded person. Who cares what they think? Right? Maybe they have an investment in having an axe to grind. Often. I don't particularly care if black people think I'm a racist or not. I know I'm not. I know my history. I know my track record. But I also just say it like it is. And I'm not afraid of revealing certain aspects of the culture that are shameful. And I was appreciative to see Michael Che in his Shame the Devil, again, on Netflix. Amazing. Wow, he just calls it out. He calls his people to task. Yeah. He was erroneous about the part where he said, well, Asian people and black people have always been tight and always been close. I mean, I think he comes from a blended union. And no, not the case. No, there's been disparaging remarks really constantly especially that I've heard from many different Asian groups about black people that are anything but glorifying because of the perceived difference of work ethic and the perceived understanding of why the work ethic is different and historical factors that play into that. Um, So no, they haven't always been tight. It was beautiful to see the uh, black community and Black Lives Matter at the time stand up for AAPI. Asian Asian American Pacific Islander and the violence that they were incurring because of uh, the coronavirus and just the historic violence they've incurred for before the coronavirus. That was beautiful to see that support from black community to Asian. But by no means do they have a hunky-dory, happy-go-lucky relationship for all of history. That's just an absolute lie. I've heard some of the most horrendous, racist, stereotype, awful things out of Asian mouths about black people. And hello, I live in San Francisco. There's a lot of proximity. And they've often said it to me with the misguided uh, preconceived notion that I also would harbor such beliefs, which I don't. Black people are very hardworking, actually. The ones that I know, the ones that I respect, so I don't share that view. And yeah, there are always people with different work ethics of all different groups but I mean I'm sorry we're not going to sit here and you know make believe that historically Asians and blacks have gotten along forever no total lies in some ways uh, a lot of Asian families would absolutely totally reject their family members if they chose a black partner to marry that would have not even been an option And if that's not going to be told the truth about, I don't go for lies. All that reveals is that we're all the more alike than we are just alike. Yeah. So, what should we do about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict? White people can ask black people how they're feeling, how they're doing, and care. White people can ask black people, how do we support you? How do you want to be supported? What do you think the response should be from this? Beyond looting and violence, let's let's not do that anymore. What do you think? Well, I think all looting should stop now. And, I, you know, I watched the Twitter... Um, so I guess Friday night, 
the night after the verdict, a team of organized black thieves, which is part of an organized black crime ring, um, hit Union Square yet again, went to Louis Vuitton, but this time the cops were onto it. I think they have more cameras out there as well. And uh, got there in time and apprehended. And it was all caught on Twitter. I watched the, the clip. And they were making a point to specifically say this was in no way connected to the, the verdict. I mean, do we believe that? Maybe. Hey, it's a Friday night. Right? But I, you know, it wasn't a multi-ethnic group of, um, you know, diversity that were thieving there. Only all black. Do I think there could be some connection between the Rittenhouse verdict and and that? Yeah, I do. Because I think it's been supported and conditioned. Problem and justice happens in the black community. Loot riot. Problem, justice, loot riot. Loot riot. There hasn't been this intervention to go, we're not doing that anymore. That's not getting us anywhere. And not only is it not getting us anywhere, meaning the black community, but it's also empowering the far right to say, you keep on with this, we're going to police and vigilante our own groups and if they do anything wrong we're going to just cover their butts and let them get off scot-free that's the message i truly believe that wisconsin sent to america was it their intention to maybe maybe not i don't know is that the message that was sent i believe it was which means as this article i was reading in the news on friday was saying that sets a very bad precedent for future rallies because if the Supreme Court does say, yes, you, you know, anyone can attend a protest as an anti-protest and they can, they can bring an assault rifle, <laughs> um, you know, I think stopping the looting immediately stopping this type of and again there are organized crime rings that have of all different ethnicities that have nothing to do with this this particular verdict or this decision so I, let's obviously that has always been a thing but um for those who really are um doing the five finger discount in response to systemic racism wrong response stop it do something else so what should the black community do that being said I mean, I can say what Michael Che said, which was, he's really sad that there's no leadership. He talked about Martin Luther King and how Martin Luther King was committed, devoted, going to devote his life and going to stay the course and actually do it. And it's deplorable that there's no leadership within his community. He was really a truth telling. I highly recommend everybody see it. Yeah. So what should the black community do? Leadership is needed. What more and what more, um, how many more before there are leadership? Colin Kaepernick does not count. I'm sorry, that was not good enough. Where, Where is the new Martin Luther King? Where is he out there? Or she? Where's the Rosa Parks? Where are these people? The Harriet Tubmans? Come on, there's been through all throughout history. And why? No one knows any, you know, firsthand names. And then Colin gets a bone because he bends a knee. I'm sorry, but that's just not Harriet Tubman level of awesomeness. And that's just not, you know, Martin Luther King's level of service or devotion is a bent knee. So where is the leadership in the black community, I ask you? 
Should that not be a response to systemic racism instead of looting? Organized advocacy with leadership? Doesn't that always work? Yes, he got killed. Okay, he got assassinated. Fine. There's better protections now. We have technology now. Okay? What about registering to vote? Simple act of registering to vote. Getting everyone you know who's in the black community to register to vote. And make your voice heard at the polls. I mean, Kamala's trying to work with voter suppression. Um, I hope she will make that one of her champion causes. I think it's a better fit than the border. I would also love her to see take leadership in um, getting the black community um, vaccinated so they don't die in droves. Black lives matter to me. I want them to matter to black lives by getting the vaccine and not dying. So many have died in the pandemic. More than gun violence. Do you ever hear that reported? No. But the medical you know, information shows it. But it's not talked about. Because it's stigmatized in the black community. The vaccination. Dave Chappelle at least said, I got vaccinated, but that was it. And this last, the closer. I got vaccinated. That was the sum total of his commentary on vaccination for the black population. I was like, slow clap you know on that one but at least you said that you got vaccinated why is that such a stigmatic issue for black americans because it's a white people thing it's not a white people thing it's a life thing it's a life thing yeah forty-five thousand people have died from it yeah you could be one who've died from it but millions have lived And guess what? Millions and billions probably out there, millions probably more, um, want the opportunity that you have to get that vaccine that you have for free that you could do tomorrow. How many different people of color around the world would love that chance to have that vaccine that you just say, no, that's a white people thing or no, I don't trust it. I don't know what's in it. When your community is you know, fallen by the wayside and it doesn't even get the decency of being reported. I want Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter to Black people because you matter. But you have to believe you matter and you have to do the behaviors to show that you matter. Like protecting yourself from a deadly virus. The best possible way that you can with the vaccine. It's not a white people thing. It's a smart people thing. Get over the fear. Okay. I got nine minutes left here. How do I want to wrap up? Critical race theory. You know, critical race theory, I love studying about other cultures. I love studying... I loved studying racial and ethnic relations in my college class. I loved reading black authors. I loved seeing them from the perspectives because I got to learn more. I'll never fully understand. I don't think you can unless you're walking around in the skin suit of a black person, meaning the, their personal experience, but at least re- appreciating the literature, reading and knowing the stories, getting insights that you would only get from reading black authors was valuable. 
it enriched my compassion. It made me interested. I wanted to learn more. I did not learn this in high school. I learned it in college. So the question is, is this type of concept of teaching that black people are born into a system in America of systemic racism and essentially inferring that white people are oppressive and privileged and bad and so on and so forth, um, is this appropriate to teach at the K through 12 level? That's been the debate. Not whether it should be taught, but at what age and what stage and who has weighed in on it and how has this rolled out? So I want to say it came from the far left. I think they viewed it as an opportune time for a power grab because there was receptivity within the white community for the George Floyd death. The critical race theory mounted. They launched it and there wasn't a smooth, understandable, intelligible rollout that involved Republicans to get input and work out a, a really clearly understood messaging about exactly what critical race theory is, what its intentions are, what the outcome would be, sanctioning from behavioral psychologists, sanctioning from child psychologists and psychiatrists who are the experts in children's human development. Not what we think, but their training. The child psychologists, the child child psychiatrists, they went to school for this, to learn about the mind and to learn what is appropriate to teach the mind at what age about what topic. Did they get a say in any of this? I didn't read one single news report about the weigh-in from the experts in behavioral science. About ages and stages, John Piaget's ages and stages of what you should teach at what age and what the child's going through in their developmental. None of this was brought up. It was all just political and the teachers unions trying to hijack the situation and the, and the receptivity, force through a very poor messaged, well-intentioned, but very poor messaged, confusing agenda that still to this day, no one can just say and sum up in a few sentences of what exactly it is. I mean, Saturday Night Live even made fun of it a week or two ago, saying, I'm, I'm against critical race theory. Now, what is it again? I mean, it's like people don't even know what it is because it's not been rolled out in an intelligent, mutually open dialogue way. It was sneaked in, raced in, pushed in by the far left and not consistent. And what do you think the backlash was? Mistrust? Suspicion? What's the agenda? Programming? Conditioning? Socializing? Indoctrinating? And ultimately rejection and failure. When that didn't need to happen. When, you know, Dems on the far left could have taken a breath and thought, this is a great time to fly an idea that we've been thinking of that might help combat systemic racism. What if we taught critical race theory? Step one, step two. These would be the outlines. This would be the age. These are the sanctioned behavior psychologists that show that data would show it. Or they could have conducted clinical trials or behavioral science trials. 
but instead it was sloppily rushed, pushed through. The teachers' unions, you know, got caught in it and then started to advocate it and went out of bounds. And there has been major backlash about it. Also, especially from blended families who have a white parent and a, and a black parent going, I don't want my child feeling or learning that they're bad because, you know, or thinking that their mother or father are bad because they're white. Well, I don't even know if that's the intention of clerical race theory, but that was one perception that was on a news um, report that I saw that I, I was like, yeah, what about biracial families? We're not even discussing this. Why are we rushing and why are we pushing through a sloppy agenda instead of starting the conversation? If you're going to grab the moment and nab the moment, but you don't have a plan, you don't have a rollout, it's going to go the way of defund the police, which is crash and burn. Slow the, you know what, down. Get people engaged in dialogue and get the experts who are trained in this to, to gauge and referee whether it's appropriate or not. Not the teachers' unions, not what individuals think is appropriate to teach and have it be completely up to the whim of the teacher. They were talking about putting cameras in the classrooms just to monitor to make sure people weren't teaching critical race theory. I mean, the distrust because of the way it, it rolled out and that is on Dem's fault um, the, the distrust is earned. And I believe it's crashed and burned, and now many states have made it illegal. But we never got really a, appropriate weigh-in and discussion from the behavioral experts that could say, I don't know, you know, hey, it's appropriate in fourth grade, but not kindergarten, but maybe 10th grade and definitely college. But, you know, we didn't even get that opportunity because no media coverage covered any psychologists on this topic. Do we not find that absolutely curious? As if they were completely duct taped and, and ball gagged and basically told, you know, your, your opinions don't matter, even though they're the experts and actually their opinions are the only ones that should matter because <laughs> we're, you know, they are the experts in the child mind. Do we not find that odd? Yet again, suspicious. So when sloppy rollout and power grabs happen, what happens? Shuts, gets shut down. More distrust and suspicion. We don't have to roll out things like this. But what, again, was the commonality? White Dems caving to pressure from the left and people of color because God forbid you may think I'm against you and a racist. Stop it. When you feel the pressure, you go, I, I'm for you. I want to help bring equity and, and integrity, all of it to your group. But we need to have a better plan and a better rollout. We're not going to rush this. I'm for it. I feel the passion. I feel the justice. But we're not going to rush it because it'll bomb. So maybe enough bombs have to happen before that we can reference the bombs and go see what happened with defund the police. See what happened with critical race theory. We're not going to let this happen with whatever the new issue is. We're going to slow it down. We're going to dialogue with the other side. And we're going to come up with a plan based on behavioral science. That would be my solution. So I'd say don't give up on critical race theory black community out there but regroup and get with the professionals come up with the understandable definition and do a better job at rolling it out and then try again and be clear on exactly what it is and make it available for anyone to type it up on a website and have a full clear understanding of what it is 
and those are the topics for the day.